prayer of illumination as we um, finish out this Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' first sermon in the book of Matthew. Speak to us, O Lord our God, and let the fire of your Spirit burn brightly in our hearts. Open our minds to receive the wisdom of the law, the hope of the prophets, and the life of the gospel. Jesus Christ, your living word. This is my prayer. This is our prayer. Okay, go ahead and take a seat. <clears throat> when we started this, uh, the, the teaching team, we talked about um, uh, Advent, of course, is a time of kind of entering into a season of Israel's uh, exile and this time of hope and awaiting of the coming Savior. Um, <clears throat> and Christmas, of course, is God with us. Uh, <clears throat> Twelve days of Christmas. And so we thought, let's dive right into one of his uh, first sermons and um, look at what does it mean to live with uh, God, to have God with us. What does his kingdom mean? What is it, if we've been entering into the period of Israel's uh, exile and the hope for a coming Savior, what does that kingdom look like? And in this sermon, Jesus lays that out. And it's very different. It's not tied to any ethnic or cultural markers. Um, it's open to all. The invitation goes out to all. But as he closes this, um, he calls us to decision. There is a clear, uh, in all of these examples we're going to read today, is that you, you got one of two choices here. Um, and I, sometimes I don't like decisions like that. I, have, I struggle with decisions. And what I struggle with is, is, is more of what I'm closing the door on, like what I may miss out on. So uh, recently, for example, we uh, we got solar panels on the house, and we're all, I mean it's all, it's halfway installed already. Uh, they, they finished it this past week, but last Sunday we're talking. I'm talking with someone else in the church who's getting, uh, or at least getting a, an estimate for the same thing, and they're looking at different panels. And we're talking about the difference between the panels, and I'm like, oh, am I locked in now? Can I do I do I have to say no to these other panels? You know, the other ones that this person was talking about were a bit more. Um, they last longer, they don't degrade as quickly, um, but you don't see them. You know, they have a roof where you never see it. Ours, you see the roof as you come around the corner. So we went with the ones that looked a little bit better and uh, didn't stand out so much visually. But that whole thing, a whole trip home after church, I'm thinking, geez, did we do the right thing? Um, when we, uh, you know, the I almost brought it this morning because uh, we do that when there's two guitars, but I didn't. Um, but the steel guitar I have, we lived in Ohio, there was this place called Coshocton, Ohio, and we go to Wildwood Music, and it was like an old house, just an old house, um, but all really high-end guitars just through the whole place, all acoustic and kind of a bluegrass acoustic feel. And um, for 18 months, we drove down there every about once a month, took a Saturday and took a day trip down to Coshocton to try to figure out which one of four models I was going to pick out. Back then, there was only four. Uh, now I think I'd have a hard time because there's lots of different models, but it was it was 18 months of trying to figure out which which one I'm gonna uh, go with. And I remember also when we uh, chose to move to Richmond, you know, that was a big um, decision on where to live. And even after we 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 kind of agreed on the house we live in now, I think the next morning there was some question about it. Um, in hindsight, that was a that was a great decision. I love the town um, and we love the house. Um, but I, I worry about what I'm closing 
the options on. And, and as Jesus winds up his sermon, and he's been talking about this greater righteousness, um, the righteousness that extends to our inner selves and should flow out into our actions, he calls his audience to a decision. And it's very uh, binary. It's very binary. And that's another thing that you know, we, we struggle with these days, and we discuss more in terms of, particularly in terms of gender, but the idea that, you know, it's either or sometimes uh, makes our uh, contemporary modern mind a little bit nervous about doing that. Um, but that is exactly what Jesus does in this uh, sermon. Uh, and I love that. I love that. I, I think that there's, uh, we could talk about the love and the grace and the hope and the, uh, the fact that the invitation of the kingdom goes out to all humanity, that is very inclusive. But at the same time, Jesus calls people to make a decision and to choose one of two ways in this section. Um, and so I want us to hear that. I want us to think about that um, because it's very clear that that is what he is doing. And that is where he's trying to lead us um, in the, as he wraps up the sermon. So as usual, in this sixth section of the, of the sermon, we have three metaphors with recurring themes that we've already seen uh, play out throughout the whole uh, sermon. And um, he presents two ways in all of these sections, two ways. And it's a clear call to choose, again, very binary, one or the other, um, and the, in, this, in the middle, he kind of places people into categories, which I think makes us a little bit nervous at times as well. Um, but at the same time, it's very simple. There's no mincing of words at all. Um, and this is not some sort of development of human wisdom. It's not this, you know, we finally reach this point after we've uh, educated ourselves or we've uh, become wise. It's not an outflowing of human wisdom, like we've achieved something. This is God entering into the human world, creating a kingdom. It's very disruptive to our world. This is God's work. And it's very clear as he presents it. So we're going to jump into uh, verse 13 of chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. And we have our first metaphor about two different roads. And again, this is the wrapping it up. He's calling it, he's, he's bringing us to a conclusion here. He says, uh, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell or destruction is broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. And the two things that, that, that jumped out to me, I guess there's three. I have three things circled here. Is You can enter God's kingdom. He's talking about entering. This is where we started. Here's what God's kingdom looks like. And what he's talking about is just getting in there. Okay. And he says only through the narrow gate. So he really narrows this down. To a narrow road, right? Only, you can only enter through this one way. And then he says later on, few ever find it. So he's beginning to, we begin to see this separation. We see this at the end of his ministry with the sheep and the goats uh, parable as well. 
but only few. And we begin to see this beginning, this separation of who's going to choose this and who's not going to choose it. So the wide path, obviously, is a path that appears better to us often. And it's because there's lots of ease, there's breadth, there's room to breathe. And it's populated with many people. We see a lot of people we perhaps we know on that road. But it leads to death. The other path appears to be compressed, <laughs> uncomfortable, hard to find, hard to locate, but it leads to life. And I think this aligns... You know, this, this aligns with what he's been teaching all along. We go way back to the Beatitudes, the very beginning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, who aspires to be poor in spirit? Yeah, there's <laughs> something to live up to, right? Blessed are those who mourn. Who aspires to that? Or how about peacemakers? If you're a peacemaker, that's a lose-lose situation for you. <laughs> you're not making anyone happy. <laughs> These aren't things that we live up to or aspire to. But this is a sort of an upside-down, inside-out kingdom. And he says, this is the road. This is the difficult road ahead of us. Um, <clears throat> the wide road is easy to find. Um, and it's a place where our internal attitudes and our external actions don't line up. That's the wide road. Where punishment is very clear and exacting, an eye for an eye. That's the wide road. You hold people accountable to every little jot and tittle that they offend. Where impressing others brings status. I don't know what happened on my Facebook account this weekend, but I, I, I got a lot of older friends from high school kind of reaching out to be friends on Facebook. And high school is just not a time I really like to go back and think about. I've never been to a uh, reunion. It just reminds me of a time in my life where it was just you know, painfully self-conscious um, about myself, and it's just not something I want to return to. But no kidding. I, I get these friend requests, and I'm already starting to think about what have they done with their life? <laughs> and how does my life compare to that? Right? Jesus addressed that in the sermon. Looking to impress others. That's the wide road. That's the easy road. That's the road where you see lots of people on it. And it won't lead you to life in the kingdom. <clears throat> where storing up resources for security is the norm. That's the wide road. Where evaluating others without taking a critical look at yourself. That's the wide road. Lots of breadth, easy to find, um, simple, but deadly. And so when Jesus says this sort of thing, he's not simply describing, and this, we can read this as if he's just describing what these two roads are. But as it moves on, we understand that it's an invitation and an exhortation. He's exhorting us to think about this, to think about the road that we're on. 
He moves on to two kinds of prophets. We have two kinds of roads, now two kinds of prophets. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only, there's that word again, only, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we performed many miracles in your name, and I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And so now he's talking about people. And we're seeing lots of themes that we've already seen. Those who actually act out their faith. Those who do the will of God. And we get this theme of that's creeping in on judgment. Now Graham would stand up here and call it eschatological day of judgment, right? The eschaton, and Wendy's going to say, what does that mean? And uh, that's looking towards the end. This day of reckoning. A day of reckoning. And we get that theme entering in here. And he's talking about people here. And the, the other thing that enters into this is this issue of time. Of time. That is that it takes a while for a tree to bear fruit. Look and see what people's actions are, what, what the fruit of their lives are. Now, the very, the way, how do I put this? What makes someone a good false prophet is you can't tell easily. <laughs> it takes time. And time to us feels like a hard road to find. It's very compressed. <laughs> but he, it takes time. And I think sometimes we're quick to judge, quick to judgment, yes or no. Sometimes, often, quick to put someone in a good category before the fruit really has time to ripen. <clears throat> He's basically saying that these people, um, you reap what you sow. We've seen that theme come up already. Later on, Jesus says, what, you, you, those who live by the sword die by the sword. Those who live by ease, die by ease. Those who live by acquiring, die by acquiring. Those who live by status, die by status. And he's saying, take your time to judge, which we've already talked about, the fruit. These false prophets are defined by not by what they say, but how they live. And religious people, religious piety, and miracle working doesn't mean that you're godly. And it doesn't mean that we're on the right road. 
And then finally, we get to the last one. Anyone, we have, let's see, two roads, two kinds of prophets, two kinds of builders, two kinds of carpenters, Tim. Here we go. Anyone who lives, who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. This is the word moron. They're they're morons. (laughs) They're foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And once again, you have this theme of what is seen and unseen. The prophets, they look good, they sound good. Wait for the fruit. Wait to see what's really inside. Wait to see what comes out. And here you have two houses that look the same because the difference is below ground. And so you have this theme again of do our insides match our outsides? Are we truly building on a rock? What's underneath that you can't see? You can't see it until the storms come. And typically we we talk about this in terms of storms of life. When trials come, we'll see if your house stands. And that's good. That's, That's a good application of this. But again, Jesus is also talking about, he's looking into this day of reckoning. We have this theme of at, at some point, we're going to find out which road that we're on. By the way, this house is built. So I, I also want to mention that there's, a, there's, one, there's something else that comes in here that's so incredibly important. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's very centered on him as a person. Again, this is not some natural outflowing of once you achieve enlightenment or some sort of wisdom. It's about Jesus. So recently I read, uh, I was reading a book that has sort of a mystic quality to it. And I love the tradition of the mystics. Um, But there was was something about this book that put me off a little bit. Um, Started using the word Christ in some sort of dis... uh, it wasn't connected to the person of Christ or the history of the word. So when we read Christ, um, that is the Hebrew equivalent of Messiah. And that term is very much rooted in the history of Israel. That is the anointed king, the promised king of this particular people group. And this book was using the Christ as some sort of kind of a detached from its biblical roots. And that it gets a little bit dangerous. And I, I think that there's a lot of mystery out there. And I, I think that, particularly in the evangelical Protestant side of the church, there's a fear of that that we need to uh, grab back a hold of because that entering into that mystery of that relationship is extremely powerful. And the fact that you, we don't always know what's going to happen or what God is up to is very powerful because it forces our faith, the roots of our faith, to go deeper. But there needs to be some care in how we use these terms because what Jesus is doing is, is rooting this whole thing, this two paths, in the person of, him, of himself. It's not some general, like, I don't know, 
mystical concept that's just going to dawn on all of us. It's rooted in the person of Jesus. This is about a relationship with him. So if we build our lives, if we build our house on his teaching, on his wisdom, on his revelation, on the person of Jesus and have that relationship, we're on a good foundation. But once again, he's saying there's two different ways here. And I think we like to see things a bit more nuanced at times. And there are passages where we get that. But I love the simplicity here. We're either on the road or we're not. And it's about being on the road. It's not about necessarily how far down the road you are. It's not a quality to your faith. I was talking to Sophie about this not long ago. About um, We tend to beat ourselves up and judge ourselves. I'm not as good as that person. I'm not as holy as that person. I'm not as refined as that person. That's not what he's talking about. The issue is which direction are we going? All right? I mean, I may be rough around the edges and new to my faith. You're on the road. You're in the kingdom. (laughs) Right? That's what direction we're heading in. So we have these themes, right? Uh, Internal and external alignment, putting putting into practice uh, two ways. There's this sense of a day of reckoning and an urgency and an exhortation to make the decision and follow him. And now we have this real focus on it's about Jesus. It's his teaching. And so as it ends, it says, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their religious, their teachers of religious law. Large crowds, this is the beginning of chapter 8, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down from the mountainside. Um, <clears throat> so I want to I talk about, I'm going to close with this, uh, just a little talk about this phenomenon that I see um, in churches. And I, I think I've seen it here. And I'm really hoping that this is an encouragement to all of us. There's, it becomes clear in Jesus' ministry who is with him and who is not with him. As the story progresses, there's a couple characters like uh, Nicodemus who comes at night, you know, and we're like, okay, what does that mean? What is he afraid of? But pretty much we know who's with Jesus and, who's, and we definitely know who's against him. It's very clear. But in our world, I don't know if this is an American thing or a Western thing, I, I don't know what it is. We get into this sort of, uh, where we beat ourselves up with this sort of introspection about our faith, right? And we just think, I'm not doing good enough, I'm not, well, I'm not, you know, I don't, my ethics at work need to increase, or I need to work on this or that, and that's, that's all good. But the purpose here isn't some sort of morbid sort of introspection about where you're at and what road you're on um, in this deep sort of picking apart and detailed sort of thing. Um, One scholar wrote this, the sermon is not given to cause some morbid introspection or undue self-doubt for the believer, but rather to exhort one uh, not to be enamored with external gifts and powers and behaviors without paying attention to the soul and the heart. So I I was invited down to to my cousin's uh, church. He goes to this huge mega church down in Charleston, and he invites me down, and 
I've, I'm going to spend a couple days with the staff at this church. And the, before that, a day before, he's taken me out to the Masters Golf Tournament, which was wicked fun. Um, but before we go, we get up early, and he's got his Bible study, men's Bible study. So we're at the Bible study, and it was really interesting because I didn't know anyone. I'm a pastor of a church, and I'm listening to these guys uh, talk. And they're just really beating themselves up over um, learning how to parent better, and if they're good fathers and, and good husbands and their work ethic and this sort of internal, I'm not good enough. And I think we all can identify with that. And I had this aha moment sitting there as a pastor from a different church looking in. And, I, and, I, and before we left, I thought, I've got to share this with these guys. And so at the end, I said, listen, you know, just sitting here as a pastor, people who aren't following God aren't showing up at 6 a.m. <laughs> to meet. People who are following God aren't wrestling over this stuff, beating themselves up. People who don't follow God are giving their kids a hard time and defending it. <laughs> you know, that's what they're doing. That's the wide and broad path. I said, the very fact that you're doing this shows us that this is you're in, you know, you're following Jesus. And so there's this weird thing that we have where we sort of beat ourselves up. And the fact that we do that, I think, shows that we wrestle with this, with that narrow path. It's a narrow path. It's hard to find. It's cramped. It's compressed. That's what Jesus taught us. So I said, this is, you know, this is what every pastor wants. (laughs) Not you guys beating yourselves up, but I mean, the fact that you're wrestling with this is a testament to your faith. It's beautiful. You know, lighten up. <laughs> Relax a little. So, if you're feeling a bit compressed at family meetings because talking politics results in everything blowing up and you're trying to figure out how to navigate that, you're probably on the right path. If you're fighting the temptation, you're fighting it, you're not just giving into it, you're fighting the temptation to be seen by others and recognized, and you're wrestling with that, it probably means you're on the right path. If you're trying to figure out how to use your resources wisely, when there's so many poor people in the world, and the earth can't, it doesn't have you know, an unlimited supply of resources. And you're wrestling with the stewardship of the things that you do own. And it's a struggle to figure out. What that means is you're probably trying to figure out where that path is. And it's hard to walk on. That's the right path to be on. <clears throat> If you're trying to extend love to someone who really deserves consequences 
what they did. And you're wrestling on how to manage that and how to love them. And you're trying to figure out where that path is. That's probably the right path that you're on. If you're personally driven to prayer in order to weather storms where it's really not about what people see, but just you need to pray, then you're in the right house. And so be encouraged, because I see that all over this community. I see people who are wrestling to figure out where that narrow, compressed road is and how to stay on it, and it's a beautiful thing to see. That being said, the other path is very wide. And we need to bring this message of hope to our friends, to our families, to our communities. Bring them that love. Right? Okay. Van's going to come on back up. And I'm going to read Psalm 1, which is where we started this series. I don't think I put that in there. Did I put Psalm 1 in there, Kiva? Yeah, I think I came up with that later and forgot to put it in. Okay, so let's stand and listen. And hear these words, because this psalm is in that same tradition. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in everything that they do. But not so the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Jesus, you call us to make a very clear and definite decision to follow you. To build our lives on your teachings. That we love others. That we seek our, we seek to be seen by you and not them. That we we allow you to care for our needs rather than worrying about what we shall eat and what we shall wear. That we evaluate ourselves carefully before we pass judgment on others. That we are wise not to give that which is holy to those who do not appreciate it. That's a losing battle. That we choose you as our way, as our truth, and as our life. May we be that people. And I pray, God, that everyone here would be encouraged. If they are wrestling with those things internally, trying to figure them out, I pray your blessing upon them.
to help encourage our congregation, the people in our church, those who are in person, those who are online, that they would take hope in the fact that they have a hard time finding that road. Because that is where you call us. That is where you are found. I pray that, uh, yeah, I pray that blessing on all of us in your name, on your authority. This is my prayer.